0: Genesis 35, 1. God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, dwell there, and make thee an altar unto God that appeared to thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. And Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments, and let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them. He buried them under the oak, which was by Shechem. And they journeyed. And the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. Today is a day of consecration. A time to bury some things under the oak. God bless you. Please be seated. I want to thank you for engaging in this week of consecration. There's also always a tangible evidence that we have been praying and fasting when we gather to worship after A week of consecration reminds us to continually to be prayerful and fasting in our lives. But thank you for what you've done this week to draw closer to the Lord. This past Wednesday night, we had a powerful prayer meeting. I spoke briefly about eternity and we are living in time to shape our eternal destiny and the destinies of other people. In the Bible, it is very clear that there is a pattern when drawing near to God, that the first step toward God is repentance, a change of heart, mind, and life direction away from sin and toward God. And after turning away from sin, there is consecration or turning toward God. Last week, I preached on Revive Us Again, the prayer of those people who had returned from Babylonian captivity You've done it before, so Lord, we need you to do it again. That's where we find ourselves in 2024, a call to be consecrated to God. I read it in the baby dedication, but Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So in the same way that animals were sacrificed to God as a consecration, and in the same way that Jesus Christ gave his life to redeem us from our sins, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. To be consecrated to God is to be set apart and to be sold out. Set apart from sin Set apart from the world and set apart to God or sold out to God in every area of our life. Genesis 35 is the story of Jacob and his family consecrating themselves to God. But I want to give you the backstory story that leads to this story. Jacob was a twin. His brother Esau was much different than him. They were fraternal twins, different in appearance, nature, vocation, values. Jacob is born second, but he's hanging on to his firstborn twin brother's heel. So he is named Jacob heel grabber or supplanter. The guy that is second, but is always fighting for first. Jacob is always trying to get what Esau has. Esau, the Bible says, is a, is a profane man. He doesn't value spiritual things. There's a lot that could be said about Esau. He is out hunting one day and he's very hungry and he thinks he's going to starve. And just like human passions are, he doesn't think he can live another day. Jacob has cooked a pot of lentil stew. And when Esau comes, he's desperate for it. And Jacob, the supplanter says, I'm not going to give it to you. But if you will sell me the birthright that belongs to the firstborn, I'll give you a bowl of beans, give you some lentil stew. Now, this is the leadership of worship in the family. It's a double portion of the family inheritance. It's a right to the blessing that belongs to the firstborn. And Esau sells it to Jacob for a bowl of lentil soup. The Bible says that he despised his birthright. Then later, it is time for Esau's, Jacob's dad, Isaac, who is dying, not really, but he thinks he's dying. He calls Esau the eldest in and said, I'm ready to bless you with the blessing of the firstborn. Go kill a deer, cook the meat savory like I like it. When you get back, I'm going to bless you. But Rebecca, who favored Jacob, hears about it, their mom, and she tells Jacob, go get a goat, bring it in, I'll cook it like it's a deer, then we're gonna get that skin, we're gonna put it on your hands and on your neck, so you're gonna feel like Esau. I've thought about that a lot this week, Esau must have been a very hairy guy to be like a goat skin. Esau is out hunting, Jacob goes in before Isaac. Isaac says, it's the voice of Jacob. Come near me, my son. And he puts his hands on his neck and on his hands. It's the, it's the hairy skin of Esau. And he draws him closer and smells him. And Jacob is wearing his brother's clothes. so It smells like he's been out hunting out in the field. So Isaac thinks it's Esau. And he, he gives Jacob the blessing that belongs to to the firstborn son. And it is a major thing. And as soon as Jacob has gone out of his father, Isaac's present presence, Esau comes in. He's got his game. He's got it cooked. He's he's who he is. And he says, all right, dad, here I am. I'm ready for my blessing. And Isaac says, who are you? I'm Esau, your firstborn son. And he said, too late. I've already given the blessing of the firstborn to your brother Jacob. And Esau says, surely he is named Heel Grabber for a reason. He's he's beat me out of this twice. He's supplanted me these two times. Esau says, I'm going to kill him. I might have said that to one of my brothers a time or two, but I didn't really mean it. My mother said we were not allowed to say that in case we got serious ever. Esau was dead serious. Rebecca says, you need to get out of here, Jacob. Go back to Haran. Go to my uncle Laban's house. Live there. Marry there. Maybe your brother will cool down. And when he does, you can come back home. So Jacob leaves his family. He's headed back to Haran, back to his uncle Laban's house. And on the first night of his trip, he he lights upon a certain place, the Bible says, and he lays down there to go to sleep. He gets a rock for a pillow. And while he's laying there, he has a vision from God. And there's a ladder that comes down from heaven. It extends from earth to heaven. And angels are descending and ascending. And God makes Jacob promises. And Jacob makes God a vow. that if God will be with him and bring him back to this place, but it will be the house of God. And he calls it Bethel, the house of God. And, and Jacob will give 10% of everything he has Back to God in tithing. It's the tradition, the teaching of tithing that goes all the way back to his grandfather Abraham. He arises and he moves away and journeys till he comes to Uncle Laban's house. And when he gets there, he sees uh, Rachel is really her, his cousin and she's beautiful. He falls in love with her and he says to Uncle Laban, Laban, what do I need to do to marry your daughter? Laban says, not much, just work for me seven years and you can have her. So he does, seven years. Seems just like a few days, the Bible says. And finally, it's time to get married and there's a wedding ceremony. It's in the darkness of night and the next morning, Jacob wakes up and he looks next to him and it is not Rachel, it is her sister Leah. He is not happy about this. He goes to Laban and What have you done? You've tricked me. Yeah, one swindler meets his match, right? Laban says, oh, we have a custom. You can't marry the youngest daughter first, so you've got Leah. What do I have to do to get Rachel? Seven more years. I guess he got her maybe after a week and now he has Leah and Rachel and and Jacob is building his family and he's building his wealth and Uncle Laban is exchanging his wages and ripping him off and Jacob is there serving him one decade, two decades, some commentaries. I spent too much time reading about this this week, maybe longer than that. But he is now a very wealthy man, and he's been there a very long time, and he's longing for his father's house. He wants to go home, so he decides he needs to leave, but but he leaves in the middle of the night because he knows Laban will not be happy about it. He's got flocks and herds and wealth and family, 12 sons, a daughter, So they leave three days journey. Laban catches up with him. Why have you done this to me? Let me kiss my daughters and grandkids. He didn't say you, but let me kiss my family. Why did you do this to me? And besides all this, someone has stolen my idols. Jacob is incensed. He says, you go through our camp. Look in every tent. Whoever's stolen these idols, you can kill them. So Laban begins to look from tent to tent to tent. He looks and finally he comes to Rachel, his daughter's tent, the wife that Jacob loves so very much. She's sitting there on the camel furniture and she makes an excuse that no man can overcome. And so he doesn't look under the camel's furniture. He leaves and Rachel has hidden her father's idols under the camel's furniture. So her dad leaves and Rachel gets by with theft and idolatry, all in one move. now they're journeying. They're going back home. There's just one little thing standing in the way of getting back to Bethel. It is brother Esau. Jacob tries to bribe him. I'm making chapters of the Bible really short today. But, but I'm telling you this story for a reason. So he decides he's going to do what he's always done. He's going to bribe. He's going to buy. He's going to gift And he tries to somehow win the affection of Esau. Look how God's blessed me. Take this gift, take this gift. And so he gets word back. And how are things, how's Esau Esau thinking after all these years? And they say, Esau is coming with you and he's got 400 men. Time has not erased hatred. Time has not changed his agenda. He made up his mind he's going to kill you and he's still planning to kill you. Jacob cannot buy his way out of this predicament. So there's this whole process of events. He's there by the brook Jabbok. And he sends his family across. and, And he is there all by himself. And that night, Jacob, who's not a very young man. He's probably older, I am convinced, than I ever really thought he was. He's older than most of us in this congregation. And he's there by himself. The angel of God appears to him and they begin to wrestle in the night. And all night long, this older man, Jacob, wrestles with the angel to the breaking of the day. And the angel says, let me go. And Jacob says, not until you bless me. What's your name? What's your name? The angel knows the only way he will escape is to injure Jacob. So there's some kind of a a holy karate chop into Jacob's thigh and it is out of socket. Now, Jesus would never eat that piece of meat that came from that joint. You know, I grew up, I was a meat cutter back in the day. I always want to know, what was that piece of meat that they would not eat? And I've actually studied that, but not, not this week. And Jacob is now limping. I think he's muddy. Maybe he's a little bloody. He's been there all night long. But he is a changed man. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And God does, and he changes his name from the supplanter to the prince with God. For as a prince, you have prevailed. You've not given up. So now I'm changing your name from Jacob to Israel. So Jacob is now walking with a permanent limp. But he sees in the distance his brother Esau, who is planning to kill him. But when Esau sees his brother Jacob, that he has hated for years and years and years, suddenly it melts away. They embrace, they weep, And there is a reconciliation that takes place there that changes everything forever. Amen. Here's what I want to tell you about reconciliation. Until something changes in you, don't expect to have reconciliation. Don't expect them to change until you change. You've got to settle some things with God and have your nature change before God's going to change their nature. It's a miracle. So after all that, there's another chapter 34 in there. 35. God says, okay. Now that this is done, it's time for you to go back to Bethel. Genesis 35 and 1. God said unto Jacob, arise, go to Bethel. Dwell there and make an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. At Bethel... God promised Jacob land. He reconfirms the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob, the third generation of Jewish patriarchy. Going to give you a land. Your descendants are going to be so numerous you can't count them. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Bethel is a place of promise. It is a place of God appearing to Jacob. It is a place that will change his life, but he's got to come back to this place of consecration. At Bethel, Jacob makes a vow to God. I told you about it earlier that, Lord, if you'll be with me, if you'll bring me back in peace, this place Bethel will be the house of God and I will return a tenth of my possessions to you and this will be your house. It's a a very holy place. So now I've got my family. I came here alone with nothing. But now I'm coming back with the promise, but I've got got wives and I've got kids, I've got Livestock, I've got everything a man could ever want except for the favor of God. I've got to get back to Bethel. But Jacob stops here and he realizes that standing between where I am and the house of God, the presence of God, the promises of God, the power of God, we have a problem. We've got idols, got idols in our family. We've got things that have come before God. You have things that have substituted for the one true and living God. And my family is not going to be able to embrace the future until they bury the past. They must consecrate themselves to the Lord. So he calls to his family for this consecration. Genesis thirty-five two. And Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, all of his servants. Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments and let us arise after that and go up to Bethel and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. Get rid of the idols. Be clean. Change your garments and then we can go to the house of God. And then we'll make an altar to God. I was thinking about his family, looking at him and saying, you know, Jacob, we've never been to Bethel. We don't know if this is really real. This is something that happened to you years and years ago. We didn't grow up. As a grandson of Abraham. We didn't know about all these promises. Except what you've communicated with us. It's asking a lot of us. To make a consecration like this. When we didn't grow up in church. This is not our family tradition. Our family has always worshipped idols. Like Abraham your grandfather's father Terah did. On the other side of the Euphrates River. In the land of Mesopotamia. Our family's always been like this. Our women have always decorated themselves in jewels and ornaments. We've always done this. We don't know the details that went on in this story. But I really hope that Jacob had been preparing his family for this moment of consecration. Maybe they were willing to surrender their past because of the respect they had for Jacob and the blessings that God had poured out on his life. So the Bible says that they listened to Jacob and they obeyed. And this is how they practiced what he preached. Verse 4. They gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hit them. He buried them under the yoke which was by Shechem. We know about the idols that were in their hands. Rachel stole them from her father. She's kept them on this journey. I don't know when Jacob knew that they had them, but he did. We can criticize Rachel for bringing remnants of her past into her future about keeping those idols, but maybe we've done the same. There's some things That should have been left under the blood and in our past that were part of our lives before Christ. But if you think you can take them with you into the presence of God, into a place of blessing and power, they cannot go there. You've got to consecrate them to the Lord and bury them under the yoke. Our idols probably aren't like Rachel's statues or things that you can see. Maybe they're relationships. Maybe there's some other things that you've been carrying around in your life. But today, on the second Sunday of this year, I felt compelled to the Lord to call us back to Bethel, to call us to a place of consecration, to let there be a place of burial under the yoke of idols, of anything that comes before you, comes before God in your life. A relationship, a person. Possession, a pursuit, money. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. In the New Testament, John closed his first epistle by saying to the people, first John five twenty-one, little children, keep yourselves from idols. I don't think he was just talking about a thing that you could look at or put on the shelf or pray to, but keep yourself from anything that supplants the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. And then the Bible says they gave him all the idols that were in their hands. And then they gave him all the earrings that were in their ears, all the ornamental jewelry that were part of their pagan past. They began to take that off and give that to Jacob. You say, well, that was way back then. But, but Paul wrote in 1 Timothy two and nine, that in like manner also, that the women adorned themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair, gold or pearls or costly clothing, the, the weaving in of jewels in the hair, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. The apostle Peter wrote in first Peter three and three, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on a fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in the very is very precious in the sight of God. These idols, this ornamental jewelry was connected to the past that they were leaving behind. And Jacob said, it's time for us to make a consecration to God. The Bible said in verse four, they gave it unto Jacob, the strange gods that were in their hand, all oh, the earrings that were in their ears. And Jacob hid them. You can study this, but he buried them under the oak, which was at Shechem. I don't know how many idols they collected. I don't know how much ornamental jewelry they collected. I don't know how deep the hole was. I don't know how wide the hole was, but it was deep enough to bury that stuff so it could not be seen. So it would be in their past. So it would be removed from them. So they would not be tempted to go dig it up because there is part of that sticking up out of the ground. And today what I'm calling us to do is to go to a place of consecration for a restoration of the revival that God promised this church and His church. Amen. For some of us, Bethel is a place we have been before. We have seen that spiritual ladder come down from God. We have witnessed the power of God and the presence of God. We know the promises of God. Some of you may have never been there, but I'm telling you that God is calling us back to Bethel. He is calling this church to a place of consecration to put away everything that is standing between us and the promises that God has made us. it's time to bury some things under the yoke. Bethel is a place where God speaks and makes promises. Bethel is a place where we make vows to God. Consecration to be set apart and sold out to the Lord. That's what Jacob said. And then he has a chance to do it again with his family. There are some family leaders here today. Fathers and mothers and heads of households who need to lead their family back to Bethel by burying some things under the yoke before we go there, before revival falls. There must be a deep sense of consecration that we bury some things, that we put them there and we leave them there and we do not revisit them. We do not exhume what we have buried, but we leave them under that oak. God is calling us back to Bethel. Promise, calling, consecration. We've got to bury some things under the yoke. and Leave them there. I don't want to try to make an exhaustive list, but maybe it's a possession or a friendship, a relationship, a habit, a vice, an obsession. Maybe it's a hurt or a fence that you've been carrying around with you but it really doesn't need to go back to a place of power and revival and all of that. It doesn't need to go back to Bethel. It needs to be buried today. And if you're carrying grudges, you need to bury them today. If you're carrying offenses, you need to bury them today. If you've got animosity in your heart, old hurts and wounds, idols and things that you've been carrying around today, God is calling us to quit making excuses for why we're not like we should be or the person God called us to be. And It's time for us to make decisions. It's time to quit making accusations toward other people and start seeking reconciliation with them. It's time for us to bury some things under the yoke. Would you bow your heads and let us pray? I ask you, God, right now, You would help us lay aside the weight in every sin that does so easily beset us so we can run the race that is set before us. I pray, God, that you would let a spirit of consecration rest on this congregation, God, that you would call us individually and corporately to continue consecration. That today, God, not tomorrow, not next week. Not in some procrastinated future. But today God you would give us the grace and the courage. To bury some things under the oak today. And leave them there and never pick them up again. I pray for that in Jesus name. Amen. So they did. They gave them to Jacob. Jacob buried them under the oak. But then there's an amazing thing that happened. In Genesis 35, 5, the Bible says that they journeyed. They went to Bethel. They went to the Oak at Shechem. They're headed to Bethel. God did something powerful for them. The terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them. And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. In other words, when they consecrated, God then showed up with power. God will not consecrate for you, but I know you can't live this life on your own. I know you cannot defeat these enemies that you face on your own, but if you will bury some things at Bethel under this oak at Shechem, on your way back to Bethel, God will give you supernatural power. He'll give you provision that you need. He'll give you everything you need. So I want you to look past the consecration, to see the power that God has promised us. If you will bury the past, Jesus Christ will break the power of the past. One of the beauties of water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is the Bible says that we are buried with him by baptism into his death. It is like the Israelites going through the Red Sea when their past was buried there, all of Pharaoh's army. Thank God we baptized a man in Jesus' name this morning. And if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to be buried with Christ in baptism so that you can leave your sinful past buried in the waters of baptism. But if you've already been baptized, why don't you go again to a place of burial and put them there and leave them there? And if you will do what God is calling to do you to do, he will give you power. He will break the power of your past so that it cannot follow you into the future. Bury it, bury it, bury it under the yoke. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. There's a spirit of revival that is breaking out in us today. If you're able, please stand. Verse 7 says, Jacob went back to Bethel and he built an altar. And he called the name of that place El Bethel. Because that's where God started it all now. He was back to that place of promise and supernatural power. I think you got it. Would you join me in the altar? Bring your family with you. We're going to come and pray that God would give us the provision, the power, the protection, everything that happened after they buried the past under the oak. We're going to surrender all of ourselves to Jesus Christ. I'm asking family heads to lead your family in this consecration. I'm asking wives and children to follow the leadership of your fathers. Children that do not have fathers in their home, follow the leadership of your mothers. Let's bury the idols. Let's bury the ornaments. Let's bury the past. Leave them under the oak.